0: our business wrap we managed to get our molds to uh, finally get hold of uh, uh umbulaz and uh yeah finally we got hold of him bright kumalo portfolio manager and analyst at vestak asset management bright good evening to you and welcome
1: evening evening apologies for the bad
0: network yeah <laughs> yeah, but for the network gods uh, you know i'm not i'm uh, not in favor of you uh, but uh, i guess um, you know you people who, who live on farms and bigger states sometimes <laughs> network is an issue I live right in the middle of Rosebank. I don't know what you're talking about. Aye, for Unless unless there are estates and farms there in Rosebank. But that being said, Bulaz, what's happening here with African Rainbow Capital? It seems they've uh, continued uh, to up their ante and uh, their stake in an Uber-like uh, on-demand trucking firm. here, yeah? And I guess they're anticipating uh, some uh, unlocking of pent-up demand for uh, e-commerce and uh, other uh, uh, other industries that uh, rely heavily on the uh, logistics sector.
1: Yes, I mean, uh, you remember when um, ARK, African Rainbow Capital, listed about two, three years ago, they they were sitting on a big cash pile, uh, thanks to a massive dividend that was paid by uh towards that BE scheme. And obviously, then they, that's how they started ARC And then, obviously, they've been buying assets uh, to bolster the financial services um, portfolio, so to say, by investing in different things. Um, and um, Lion Booker, the company you're talking about, the technology-led tracking company that you're referring to, uh, was one of the portfolio investments. Um, this comes after, most importantly, um, they had another deal with Sunland Asset Management uh, to, mm. again, consolidate with African rainbow capital. Uh, it seems like during a pandemic, uh, if you're sitting in, in a lot of money, opportunities just come left, right, and center, and they've been able to actually exercise uh, some of that cash by putting in some of these things, yeah. which makes sense. And obviously, they're betting on those ones that believe are going to succeed going forward. And I guess we, we expected this. I
0: mean, uh, yeah, we expected this, Mbulaz, and uh, we probably anticipate more of this to happen, uh, more M&A activity or mergers and acquisitions as we see consolidation in uh, key... Uh, uh, industries and subsectors of the economy but uh, I guess the critical issue is really having that stockpile of cash to be able to uh, go in and undertake a shopping expedition like that
1: yeah I mean uh, during such a time it's a a very good place to be Um, and obviously just having cash in your pocket is not good enough you need to have um, you know the cojones to spend it and spend it on assets that are not going to die with Mm. your capital so it's, it, it's very hard to be circumspect um, and, you know, to be of still mind and make good investments. Uh, having money alone or having the capital alone, is just not good enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I believe, I believe ARC does have uh, the management to actually execute on these investments. The Interesting current, one I, here. I think, uh,
0: sure, sure, sure. Interesting here, one here, Kumalo, because I'm looking at some of the people. Uh, who are behind this, uh, you know, the CEO, COO, MD, CFO, uh, you know, Nordea Rademann, Nick Hoffman, Julia Schumann, Hugo Dirksen, Charlotte Moolman. Uh Yeah, I mean, uh, probably the kind of surnames and names you would find at Loftus on a Saturday. Uh, but that being said, I mean, what I found quite interesting is uh, where some of, uh, um, many of the people behind this have come from. Which is from the Oceana Group. Uh, they've served in the commercial cold storage uh, divisions of that particular company, and we know that's a massive fishing company in South Africa. Uh, and so, a lot of the people behind uh, Line Booker here, having considerable and extensive experience in the cold storage value chain and in the logistics space.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, apparently they, they've got massive clients, um, you know, in mining, mega farmers um small and medium businesses um the question is um are, they, are are they um these clients you're talking about are they surviving through this pandemic because it's one thing uh to say you've got a whole a big list of of clients but as you've seen and maybe you to talk about it in a bit uh, a lot of these industries are hard hit by you know strict lockdown uh, rules that have been imposed by the government uh, at the state of emergency, so it's you know like I said, if the business makes it, you know, uh, you know beyond the next eighteen months, uh, it, it could be blue skies from here. But if it doesn't, it's uh, it's something else. It's you know money down yeah. the drain. Yeah. So so and and you know every business is as good as its clients. Um, mm. And, and it's, yeah, and if the clients are not there regardless of how great your business
0: model is, it's, it's, it's not a business, I'm sorry. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Talking about blue skies, it seems Duskem is, um, I guess, uh, despite selling being able to sell a fifth of um, some of their high-margin products, uh, have uh, really come out of the lockdown relatively unscathed.
1: Relatively, correct, yeah. I mean, mm. Uh, In hindsight, first we have to commend the management by putting, you know, those colors in their own chairs. (laughs) Because back then it didn't look like it was a bad decision, but now in hindsight it was, you know, a a stroke of genius. Um, Kudos to them. Um, But looking at, you know, these results, uh, revenues up 8.8 percent to 11.7 billion rands. Could have been better if it wasn't COVID, but. Uh, given that we, we are in the middle of a pandemic, these are exceptional numbers. Um, like you say, they, during the first portion of the first two portions of lockdown, they couldn't sell, um, you know, uh, about a third of, uh, uh, sorry, about uh, one fifth of their products, I think. Um, and they've been forced to basically accelerate their online efforts, just like every other retailer that used to be bricks and mortar. So now they're focusing more on online sales. Those are up. 344% of what management is basically saying uh, they've been forced to accelerate the e-commerce environment or adaptation to an equivalent of what is of what they, they would have taken three to five years basically happened in the space of four months, five months of lockdown. Great for a business if they can deliver on such, uh, you know, by changing the supply chain, uh, going X factory compared to, you know, X shop. Mm. Uh, those kind of things, those logistics can be, you know, tiresome and, you know, will give you a big headache. I sure, come sure. And it certainly, gets, it certainly gets yeah.
0: the uh, the logistics and the last mile distributors very happy as well.
1: Of course. I mean, that's where you get to create a lot of jobs, right? The, they, they call it the last mile or the last kilometer. Mm. Um, those guys that come and deliver it to, to, to your shop, whether they ride them in a bicycle, motorbike, we've seen them in, in, in small 1400s, And, you know, uh, it does, you know, keep at least that portion of, um, you know, jobs going. But these jobs are temporary. They, you know, they they ebb and flow. Unfortunately, also, I can imagine, you know, trying to give a a work permit to a last mile delivery guy must have been a headache. But they've managed to pull it through, um, and it's been great for them. Mm, But looking mm. at the share price, Overall, uh, on on how it has reacted to COVID, it has been it has been hit hard, uh, quite hard, uh, considering the fact that today it's sitting around 17, 18 rand, way below its listing price of 21 rand,
0: sure, and way sure.
1: below the 38 rand where it used to be, you know, during its heyday.
0: Ish, Ish, Ish. But uh, I guess you know that's always a defensive stock, and uh, always the kind of company that uh, you want. If you want to balance things out in uh, some of the portfolios you manage, uh, Mbulaz. Let's shift our attention to...
1: um, In that that same tone, in that same line, you can say maybe they might be providing an opportunity for the long-term investor to look at them.
0: That's true, that's true, that's yeah. true. Now, but but if we shift our attention just briefly, I guess, from the pharmaceuticals, uh, beauty, and uh, care sector, which Discam operates in, and, and uh, we go and take a look at EOH. I mean, I was talking earlier on while we were trying to get hold of you about the cleanup job that Stephen Van Koller coming in, as he did from MTN, has had to do. Um, and I guess maybe, you know, the unraveling dominoes or the dominoes that uh, continue to to fall and uh, some of the things that we're starting to hear and I was saying a four hundred million rand contract. <laughs> like it's some you know like it's some nondescript police station outside Nduzuma somewhere, you know?
1: It's yeah, right. And like it's almost unbelievable. It's like I'm watching uh do you know that that, that series called White Collar? Um it's like I'm watching yes, another yes, yes, episode yes. of White Collar here. Um, where a master file, like you're saying, goes missing, where you're supposed to have all the tender documents, right? But if you if you follow up the story carefully, um, the camps around Um I don't even think Susan Van Coller has the, the ability to fix some of the structural issues that were, you know, way before his days that had happened uh, at EOH. Uh, we're talking about 400 million won tender. Um, that apparently is. Was irregular because they didn't meet any of uh, you know the the, the tender process. Um, what do you call these things? Um, it, it's escaping me. But they basically never met any of those criteria. And mm. somehow they were, they were given you know the the, the, the tender um, for the biometric system that they were supposed to um, you, you know change for 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 the home affairs. Uh, from the old system, which is the Nationalized education System of Orhani. Um and they, they there seems to be no one uh, taking any responsibility here. Uh, there's no senior manager on the government's front. There's no, um, uh, you know, procurement manager at the time who was there, if so they could ask him, you know, where are these documents? Well, I mean this is what people do, right? I mean, we've seen buildings here in South Africa go up in flames because people didn't want to get caught and be fouled. They didn't want to, you know, get caught. So they just bring they, the building down and then, you know, insurance will pay, pay out, but the documents will never recovered. So this is exactly what's going on here. And like most things in South Africa, unfortunately, I can't, I can't comfortably say someone will really be held responsible uh, because it doesn't seem like, you
0: know, there's a thing or a trail leading to someone here. Hmm. Hi. We'll have to leave it there, my brother. As always, a pleasure catching up with you and uh, yeah, man, Uh, I certainly hope next time you'll be able to install a tower there on the farm.